0: Good morning, Grace Church. If you're happy to be here this morning, turn to someone sitting nearby, give them a smile, wave at them, fist bump, whatever, whatever you feel, but just let them know you're glad to see them on campus today. There's just a, there's just a great spirit here today. It's, it's been here since the very beginning in our, in our Sunday school with our students, our sessions today. We're just going to have an amazing service today. I do want to welcome you all here to the campus, those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, We're so glad that you've chosen to make Grace Church a part of your day today, and I know you will be blessed. Just very uh, briefly, I want to remind you of the upcoming events for this week so that you can be aware of that. Of course, this coming Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning here in the sanctuary is Tuesday morning prayer. If you can be a part of that, we would love for you to join us that day in prayer. And then make a very special note, all of our Grace Church family, uh, this coming Wednesday night, Sister Melanie Tipler will be speaking in the Wednesday night service. We're looking forward to that. She has a word from the Lord, and, and you will be blessed by what she has to say, I promise you. So make a note to be here this coming Wednesday night for Bible study. And then finally, Ranch Day is on October 23rd. We always like to go out and bless the boys' ranch in La Ronge. And so if you can put that on your calendar, be a part of that, I know it would be a blessing to Brother Smith and his team out at the boys' ranch. God bless you today. Pastor's coming to the pulpit now for a special presentation. I'm just going to ask you to clap your hands to the Lord as Pastor come.
1: Thank the Lord. Well, good morning, Grace Church. Great to see everybody. You're glad to be here today. Amen. Glad to be on campus. Clap your hands one more time. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And we're going to do some things right now that's going to be really really cool, so it would merit your attention. You remember several Sundays ago, we threw some t-shirts out to our our young folks. Uh one of them pointed out after church that he got actually hit in the head with a t-shirt. So, I accomplished my mission. Uh, especially with this particular person. We won't call Braylon's name, but uh, anyway, that's that's what happened. Anyway, but uh, well, man, people have been crying and just pounding my office door, texting me every day. All of you adult people, I've just heard from like 200 people, we want a T-shirt. Y'all's feelings, I understand, was hurt real bad that you didn't get a T-shirt. So, actually... I only have five. I only have five. Ah, she almost did it. The lucky one, right? Ah! I can't throw that far. People behind me can't either. I'm not even going to ask. Ah! Did it almost make it? There you go. So... have any paramedics here i need some cpr real quick Uh, so for those of you that didn't get one i'm very sorry we only had five to throw to everybody this morning but the good news is we do have one for everybody when you leave service today there'll be one out in the lobby for you everybody pick you up a t-shirt on your way out that's pretty cool right there ain't it And uh, they're all marked by size. Among the lucky ones, if that's not your size, you could swap it out. Just don't put it on right now. Nobody wants a used t-shirt. So uh, just wait till after church. And But if it's not your size, feel free to exchange it uh, out in the lobby when service. When service is over, when altar service is over. So we don't want this mad rush out to the lobby right now looking for a t-shirt. So we have plenty have enough for everybody thank the Lord now moving on to something far more serious Uh, as all of you know if you've been around Grace Church for the past couple of months there's just a huge move of God going on in the lives of a lot of people Uh, people are really hungry for a move of God in their life and um, it's happened with our students Uh, amazing things you'll be hearing more about that later uh, but a lot of amazing things that's going on at Grace Church. And even with our our uh, even our children's ministry, uh, our staff is doing a phenomenal job, and again, God is really working. Uh, somebody sent me a, a very special video clip of Avery Bunch. How old is Avery? Nine? I'm looking at both parents, and I thought one said one thing, the other one said the other, so i think they're on the same page on that one right so she's nine and uh, y'all agreed god works miracles in marriage right y'all agreed on something <laughs> that's pretty funny right there um, every monday night uh, steve and sherry have family prayer time in their home and a few weeks ago on a monday night avery came in and said she had something to share with them during their prayer time. Sherry said she had been playing outside earlier that day and she started having thoughts rush through her mind and felt an urgency to write them down and share them with us. While she was preparing her notes, she told us that she really wanted a scripture to go along with what was on her heart. She said she got her Bible out and just opened it up and the page that opened up contained the exact verse she needed And was looking for God is speaking to our children and he is speaking through our children soon after that evening Avery asked sister April if she could share it with her Sunday school class Avery didn't know it but Sherry had asked someone to record that for her to video it and she did Avery was a little bit nervous coming up here and doing it in person we all understand give her a lot of latitude she did an amazing job so with her permission and her parents permission i want to show you that video clip and what god is doing for our kids
2: okay that's all right when god gives you a desire in your heart don't let fear make you consider not doing it don't let people crush your dreams according to psalms chapter 119 verse 6 it's it says the lord is on my side i will not fear what can men do unto me he has plans for you say i know who i am doesn't matter how old you are. You can change the world. If you want to dream, pray for one. I'm telling you, you can change the world. According to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Jesus is all-powerful, and he can do anything. Raise your hand if you have the Holy Ghost.
3: Wow. If you have received the Holy Ghost, yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. Alright,
2: if you... If you have the Holy Ghost, you have power. If you have not received the Holy Ghost, it's the most wonderful gift from God. And if you want the Holy Ghost, pray for it. And don't be afraid. Don't doubt yourself. All things are possible with God. Never stop believing. Thank you for your attention.
1: Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. So God is moving through our children to not only speak to them but to speak to us how many of you believe what she just said amen and it's real the Holy Ghost is real and yes Avery it is very 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 powerful now I want to go to the in all due respect to the complete opposite side Um, we have Vivian Clark here this morning Vivian would you raise your hand sit back there She's just a little older than Avery. Not much, but just a little bit, right? Wonderful person. I've had the privilege of meeting her just recently. It's David Clark's mom, and we're so glad to have both of them in Grace Church. Amen. So glad they're both here today. Amen. Vivian's first visit to Grace Church was Sunday, September the 19th. And if my dates are correct, She had something very special happen the following Sunday, September the 26th. She came with a condition that she called AFib. I looked it up, it's atrial fibrillation. Her heart would go out of rhythm and uh, she said her heart rate would more than double. She'd get very sick and many times would even pass out. First Sunday she visited Grace Church. She had one of these attacks actually that night On September the 19th her son David encouraged her to come to church the following Sunday if my dates are correct and to ask to be prayed for to continue that story she had had six of these attacks between September the 4th and September the 19th in June of this year her cardiologist called in a surgeon to operate on her but other health issues prevented that from happening We prayed for her on September the 26th, and I'm happy to stand here and tell you she's not had one of those attacks since. And she believes that God has miraculously healed her body. I think we ought to stand and give God some praise and some thanks for that. Isn't that amazing? Thank the Lord. God is moving. God is moving, and we need to take advantage of the moment. Thank the Lord. Remain standing. Worship with the praise team as they come to lead in worship. wonderful revival that people's hearts are being warmed and fired up by the holy ghost people are feeling the anointing of the holy ghost they're feeling bold and courageous i thank god that he's still on the throne and he still loves his church hallelujah thank the lord thank the lord well how many of you out there felt like when the Praise team, opened our worship set this morning that you stuck your finger in an out. It's kind of the way I felt. I didn't know the song, but I sure did like it. And I liked the one after that, too. I thought that was pretty amazing. We even got some of our young folks fired up here this morning. I thank God for what he's doing at Grace Church. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank the Lord uh i want to call your attention to the word of god i want to read one verse of scripture in matthew 27 before i do uh sister murphy and i were so blessed this week i'll just say it this way to have lunch with a person our age and probably you think all we talked about was all the horrible things going on in our world and all the political mess and all the COVID mess Hardly any of that even came up. We sat on the opposite side of the table from someone sitting right over here. They're here today, know who they are. And all we heard was about, I'm excited, I'm thrilled. God is doing amazing things in my life. I'm excited about God. I'm excited about my church. It's somebody my age. And when you get folks my age, excited about Jesus, you've done something. God has done something. Amen. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Perfect platform, beautiful platform for the Word of God today. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. It was a night Jesus was sentenced to death. Actually, the wee hours of the morning. Pilate saith unto them, the crowd standing in front of him, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. That question didn't die there, it didn't stop there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask that question this morning. What then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? I want to preach to you for a little while this morning a question that must be answered. A question that must be answered. I say thank the Lord for the word. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. Thank you for your patience. All throughout the Bible, there are many questions that are asked by many different men, many different women. There's even questions in the Bible that was asked by God himself. Some of the questions are rhetorical in nature, and they're designed to cause men and women to think that is basically my approach to all of us here today to make you think. God asked Adam in the garden of Eden, where art thou? Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? Rebekah's family asked her, will thou go with this man? Aaron asked Israel, who is on God's side? David asked God. What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visiteth him? Thank you so much. Job asked, If a man die, shall he live again? God asked Elijah, What doest thou here? David asked Joab concerning Absalom, His son, is the young man safe?" God asked Jeremiah, can a leopard change his spots? Jeremiah asked the people, how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Malachi asked the people, will a man rob God? Peter asked Jesus, Lord, is it I? The Philippian jailer asked, what must I do? The writer of Hebrews asked, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation and John in Revelation asks for the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? These are just a few questions that comes from the Bible. There's other questions in the Bible that come that ask about Jesus. And who Jesus is. Our media capitalizes on these questions sometimes to sow seeds of doubt in the minds of the listeners and the minds of the viewers in an attempt to destroy faith that Jesus even exists. For example, was Jesus really born of a virgin? Did Jesus really fulfill prophecy? Did Jesus work authentic miracles? There's people here today that ask these questions in an effort to justify their own doubt, their own unbelief. Was Jesus really the Son of God? Did Jesus really die for our sins? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did he really ascend back into heaven? And a lot of people ask today, is he really coming back again? I answer very resoundingly, oh, yes, he is. Some people say, is Jesus the only way for men to be saved? And why are people so dogmatic about the gospel? In reading through all of these questions that came from the Bible and then those that come from the world about Jesus, it appears that all of these questions have their birth in times of crises. Thankfully, most of the moments of real crises only come to us on a limited basis throughout our lives. But when they do present themselves, there's very little warning that precedes them. I wanna stop and say passing, just over the past two or three weeks, Sister Murph and I have been personally impacted, even devastated by the tragic news of deaths that we've heard of and learned of, of people that we know. Not old people who are terminally ill and who's been dying for the past two years. I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s and 40s that just all of a sudden, they're gone. And no one has the ability to understand why there's no forewarning I would agree I think most of us would agree that some forewarning of crisis would be nice to know I heard a pastor say jokingly one time he announced to his church a number of years ago that I'd appreciate a two week notice before you die but so I can be prepared for it we have no such luxury we have no such convenience would be great if we could track the great pressure points of life. Even like the great hurricanes that blow in on us from the Gulf. And the weather does, I think, an outstanding job for the most part. But even at that, you can't always predict exactly where they're going to hit and how much damage they're going to leave in their wake, as we've just learned. So the forewarning of crisis is not the way that life is lived out. We have no way of knowing. Everyone listen. Especially, and most of you feel the same pain and hurt that I reference Sister Murph and I are feeling because a lot of the same people we know is a lot of the same people you know. And nobody was forewarned. Nobody was given a chance to prepare. The person that it happened to, their families, their friends, their churches, no one was expecting things like this to happen. We have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing what we may face tomorrow. We have no way of knowing what we're going to face this coming week. We have no way of knowing if we will have to endure a great debilitating blow to our health next month. We have no way of knowing what temptation or trial lurks around the corner. These things break in on us unannounced and oftentimes suddenly. There was no way that Pilate knew that when he lay down to go to sleep that night that the next day would present to him the crises of his life of which he had never faced before and would never face again. When he got up the next morning, there was still no warning that he would have to deal with an angry mob and a very corrupt group of religious leaders. Listen to pastor. Everybody sitting here today, listen. No matter how old or young you are, there are people here today that will not respond to the preaching of the Word of God or the moving of God's Spirit. The only thing you will respond to is a time of crisis in your life. I'm asking you to respond to the Word so that maybe the crises won't come. Everybody, everybody. You say, Pastor, are you trying to scare me? No, I'm just trying to be real. Would you like the names of six or eight families right now that I know personally that is reeling that left a funeral home last week? Would you like their name and talk to them for a while? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to be real. This is what happened to Pilate on that fateful day. And Matthew records the question that Pilate asked the crowd on that day. It's a question that I'm asking all of us now. What shall I do with Jesus? You will never dismiss that factor out of your life. It will never go away. This is a question that you will have to answer at some point in your life. You will. You will. Everybody will. While the question was addressed to the crowd, I have a feeling that perhaps Pilate was addressing this question to himself. What am I going to do with Jesus today? Pilate had no reason at all to be intimidated by this Jesus of Nazareth. There are some people here today that feels like you have no reason to be intimidated. You don't really believe this is all that big of a deal. There's other things that worry you more than Jesus. There's other things that you're more concerned about than Jesus. Pilate had no reason at all to be intimidated by this Jesus of Nazareth. There was a a good reason to believe that when Pilate first looked on the face of Jesus. And perhaps it was a look of contempt. Pilate was a strong man. He had soldiers under his command. He had spilled blood with his sword long before he had been sent to this Judean outpost by Caesar. But when Pilate's eyes met the eyes of Jesus, there was such a confrontation with goodness and kindness that immediately any malice and ill will that Pilate had on the inside of him, it drained out of him. In fact, the kindness, the mercy, the veiled authority in the eyes of Jesus arrested not just the eyes of Pilate, but the soul of Pilate. Something stirred in Pilate that had been asleep in him for years this sleeping conscience that makes all men believe that they are better that they are, are, are better, was stirred from its long slumber. Pilate may have thought that his conscience was dead, but when he looked at Jesus, he discovered that his conscience started thundering on the inside of his mind and screaming at Pilate, you're looking at an innocent man. Old sermon masters mentioned they mentioned something called the truce of God. When they, what they meant by this was that there was a serious and holy call to turn from their sin. This truce of God urges men. It urges that men choose God and righteousness before it's too late. That truce of God is almost as if God is granting a space of time when a person is tempted sorely to take the wrong path or to turn away from Jesus and condemn him again to be crucified. There are scenes in the Bible that give us an idea of what this truce of God looks like. Peter had such an experience when he cursed the master in the courtyard of the high priest. The the truce of God came out when Jesus looked him sorrowfully in the eye from afar off. Judas Iscariot had such an experience when Jesus washed his feet at the Last Supper and then said, What thou doest, do quickly. Herod Antipas had such a moment when his soul was sorry, as the Bible said when he heard Salome's request for the head of John the Baptist. Pilate experienced the same truths when he looked into the eyes of Jesus. He could have granted The innocent man, a way out. So Pilate responded to Jesus that night, the wee hours of the morning, in numerous and different ways to this look from Jesus. I want to talk to to you about these responses. Because we do the same thing. Everybody here today does the same thing. You have done it, or you are doing it now, or you're going to do it. In Luke 23, the Bible said, Then Pilate said to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And again in Luke 23, he said, unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people, and behold, I have examined him before you, Found no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. Pilate reasoned with the matter. What shall I do with Jesus? He tried to reason with the matter. Before it was over, he wanted Jesus dealt with according to the Jewish law, but they would not have that. Pilate reasoned with himself that and thought that if he would scourge Jesus, beat him badly, that perhaps this would appease the mob. Pilate reasoned with himself that He would let his men deal roughly with Jesus and it would satisfy the Jewish mob that wanted him crucified. When Pilate, what Pilate did not recognize, that when you attempt to reason with yourself, that you end up reasoning with the devil. When men reason with Satan, they always come up with a lost cause. There's no way that a man can reason with a devil on an intellectual or emotional level and come out victorious so Pilate lost the battle with reason he lost that battle he couldn't reason it out he couldn't make sense of it he couldn't get the crowd to agree with him on any of his reasoning so when he lost the battle with reason so then he decided I'll turn Jesus over to someone else and let them deal with him he would pass the buck if you will So he decided that he would let someone else make the decision that he should have made. Pilate knew that Herod had the jurisdiction over the Jews and he felt like he could get rid of the problem by sending them to Herod. When Jesus got to Herod's court, he didn't say a word to him. When Herod saw that no words or works would come from Jesus, he sent him back to Pilate. You're not going to get rid of Jesus. No amount of sin, no amount of worldly lifestyle, no amount of praying and fasting is going to get Jesus dismissed out of your life and out of your mind. So Pilate had Jesus back in his court to deal with. Pilate then was just like we are now. There are times that we have to understand that it's just us and God that you can't bring anybody else into helping you with this Jesus situation. Everybody, please listen. There's no one around to help us and we have to decide for ourselves if we are for him or against him. Some questions of life are entertained by a group of advisors that help us. Some questions of life uh, require the help of our family. Some questions of our life are reserved for us and our spouse, but There's one question. There's only one question that you will absolutely face alone. You will be all by yourself, and really no one else can intervene and answer the question for you. And it is just simply, what will you do with Jesus today? There's coming a day that you will die, and when you do, you will die by yourself. There will not be another one who will die for you. There's coming a day that you will be judged. No man can be judged for you. You cannot turn this decision over to anyone else. You have to decide on your own what you're going to do with Jesus. The great causes of God and of men aren't very often defeated by the hot assaults of the devil. Instead. It comes from the glow, the the slow, crushing, glacier-like mass of indifference. The great causes of revival and spiritual growth are more often destroyed because of indifferent irresponsibility. Let's turn it over to someone else. It's not my job. The biggest case in point I will make for this is the endless number of text messages and phone calls I've gotten from people that said, Will you pray for such and such going on in my life? And they never once darken the door when there's a prayer meeting going up here. I want someone else to do my praying for me. So I will ask all of you again, What will you do with Jesus? So Pilate made an effort to reason about Jesus. He wanted to turn Jesus over to someone else. And when both of those avenues failed him, so now he decided that he would compromise. God help us. Looking into the past of Pilate gives us an idea of why he wanted to make this matter of Jesus to be quietly dealt with. He had made a series of bad mistakes And according to history, his tenure in Judea was not going well either. He had alienated the Jews through various acts of oppressive rule that had infuriated them. It had gotten so bad that they had lodged a protest with Caesar Tiberius himself. Another complaint from these maddening Jews could destroy Pilate's career in the Roman government and the Roman military. So Pilate was looking for some way out of this disastrous situation. He decided he would scourge Jesus. He would beat him badly, the the stripes and the crown of thorns and all of that, the slapping and pulling out of his beard. He would do all that to Jesus all night long. He would have him scourged. And then perhaps the Jews would agree with him to set jesus free instead of really dealing with jesus Pilate determined to bypass the inevitable there's people here today doing that there are many in our society today who are in the busyness of compromising with the greatest decision in their life that they will ever make they say i will give up drinking i'll give up smoking i'll give up philandering I'll give up my crooked business passes. I'll quit treating my family so bad. I'll be a model husband. I'll work on my marriage. I'll make some contribution to society to make it better. I'll even give the church some money. I'll give up some of my evil ways and evil speech. I'll resolve to be more helpful to those who are around me. I will try to live a better life. But you have evaded the question, and all of the good works you want to do, and all the ways you want to be a blessing. You are still evading. The question all of these things are nothing more than bypassing the crucial question that's in front of you today what will you do with jesus every man who has ever lived has been in the very position that Pilate was in on that day we all have to come to a defense of the christ and determine what we will do with him it demands Courage to do what is right demands courage to do the right thing. That's what I'm preaching and hoping that people will do here today. We have to be stronger right now than Pilate was. Any other path that we take will be doing nothing more than compromising our eternal destiny. So Pilate reasoned, that didn't work. Pilate wanted to turn him over to someone else, that didn't work. Pilate wanted to compromise, none of those things worked. And so he decided that he would try to substitute Jesus for someone else. Pilate pulled the worst criminal he could find out of prison, In an effort to trade, to literally trade Jesus for Barabbas. That work of substitution pushed the question even more closely to Pilate's heart because the people chose the worst criminal of their day over Jesus. If you will, they chose the Charles Manson of their day over Jesus. They chose the Ted Bundy of their day over Jesus. Your family, your friends and especially your kids may not be choosing Jesus today because you're not. You have taught them that a substitute for Jesus will suffice. When that happened there was a desperation that seized the soul of Pilate and the question roared throughout eternity. It is still ringing in his ears today, I believe. And I hope you leave here today with it ringing in your ears. What will I do with Jesus? How often are men guilty of this very thing in life? They attempt to substitute something in their life for the faith that will save them. They attempt to substitute something else in their life for the very faith that will save them. There is Christ. There is Christ that can deliver them but they make a trade with something far less. Those trades are always so tragic and sorrowful in the end. The the man who makes the wrong trade always comes out empty in the end. There is no name, the praise team sang it today, there is no other name by which we can be saved. There's only one way for a man to get through the gates of the kingdom of heaven. There's only one life that was poured out on the earth to save us from a sinful, destructive generation that we live in. I thank God for Jesus today. I thank God when the question was asked me. I knew what to do. I fell on my face at an altar of repentance. I repented of my sin. I said, God, I'm sorry for the person I am. And God beautifully filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to somebody today. If you want but the answer of what to do with Jesus is to bow your knee to Him and ask God to save your life. Substitutes may do well in some things, but the reality of the matter is that nothing will substitute for what you do with Jesus. Pilate tried reason. Tried to turn him over to someone else. He tried compromise. He tried to substitute. Nothing worked. His last gasp to answer the question of what to do with Jesus. He decided that he would wash his hands of the matter. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, the Bible said, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. He could have washed his hands till the skin fell off. He could have washed his hands so there was nothing more than nubs on the ends of his arms. But that still did not answer the question. The fact remained that he delivered Jesus to his execution anyway. Jesus died under the mandate of a Roman leader named Pontius Pilate. No man can wash his hands of the consequence and judgment any more than a man can wash his hands of God. So today... I have a basin of water up here. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd like to give all of you a demonstration and I'm going to do this for a purpose. Pilot call for a basin of water in the wee hours of that morning. He said this man over here that's now been beaten to a bloody pulp. I've been to that spot in in Israel. I've been there. I sobbed and cried. I saw the games that the Roman soldiers had carved in the pavement. All of that is still there. It's been enshrined by the Catholic Church, and it's all been preserved. There's a little old set of steps about that tall, not as tall as our platform. And Pilate stood on top of those steps, and he called for a basin of water. And a servant held a basin of water in front of him, and he said, You have Jesus over here tried to reason with you guys. I tried to compromise. I tried to find a substitute. Everything I've tried hasn't worked. So I want you to know, following Jewish tradition, he went to a Jewish tradition, not Roman, but he went to a Jewish tradition. He went to church to find justification to get Jesus out of his life forever. So you look at this... Beaten, bloody mess of a man that can hardly stand up because his back is just completely beaten open to the bone. His nerves and muscles are torn. He's screaming. He's got blood running down his face. His eyes are black. His beard's pulled out. He's got spit running down his face. I'm washing my hands of this. And the Jews said, Let his blood be on us and our children and even that did not take Pilate out of his life did not take Jesus out of Pilate's life none of that worked so as you stand with me here this morning there's some people here today as I began this message you listen to pastor I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm preaching you listen carefully You feel much like Pilate. You hang out with Jesus. You stand in his presence. And this question is looming. What are you going to do with him? There's people here today that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, you do. You're not going to heaven without it. There's a lot of repentance that needs to happen. There's a lot of restoration that needs to happen. There's a lot of reconciliation that needs to happen but there's going to be people here today and I don't mean to be a prophet of doom and gloom but you're not going to hear this sermon today but you're going to call me when something happens in your family that you can't control and you need help bad the reason I know that is because you've done it before and you may not call me but you'll call somebody in this church and ask them will you pray you'll call Melanie Tipler and say will you pray and you'll call Michelle Thornton and say will you pray and you'll call Kathy Davis and say will you pray and you're going to call various people and say y'all pray y'all pray y'all pray what you've done is you've taken a basin of water and you've tried to wash your hands and it doesn't work so you've done that figuratively speaking oh and if you just come right here just hold that for me don't spill it i just hold it just for a second thank you i want to set this down here and if you don't mind using the towel that I just use, you can just sit that right there for me. I'd like to give you, whoever you may be here today, an opportunity to just come up here and wash your hands of Jesus. Anybody? I don't want him in my life anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to have to confront this question anymore. I don't want to face this question anymore. Would you like to come up here and wash your hands of him? I didn't think so. As cowardly as Pilate was, there's people here today that don't even have that much courage. I'm thankful no one's coming. Because you know what it tells me? It tells me much the same thing. Oh, and we're going to do this again. you're telling me here today everybody here you didn't come up here and wash your hands because you're not really sure you want to take that step just yet this is what I believe I am aware of all the old stories that circulate about the demise of Pilate and about speculations of his own suicide and all of that but I lay hope against hope that that was not the case with my estimation of my Savior and my own soul if it's right. I believe somehow that after all this crucifixion this burial this resurrection I choose to believe that Pilate just couldn't fight it anymore. And I believe with all of my heart that the man found a place somewhere. Perhaps even admitted that Jesus, I was horrible that night. I didn't know what to do. I'm an old Roman Gentile. I don't know the Bible. I don't know Jewish law. I don't know none of that stuff. Would you forgive me for what I did? Would you forgive me for the person I've been? Is it possible that Pilate could be saved? He said, well, he committed blasphemy. I don't know, think he even knew what he was doing, to be honest. He was trying to appease the Roman government. He didn't really know about that man standing in front of him. My presentation to you today in conclusion, William Cowper wrote a, a classic song in 1779 never died the words are something like this there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty deeds. the dying thief rejoiced he wrote to see that fountain in his day There may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Joseph Watley spoke about the thief on the cross this past Friday night. Cowper wrote, Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. To be saved, to sin no more. ere since by faith, i saw the stream thy flowing wound supply redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till i die then a nobler sweeter song i'll sing thy power to save when this poor lisping stammering tongue lies silent in the grave i've heard my dad sit on the front porch of our home when i was a kid singing There is a fountain filled with blood. It's still flowing today, Pilate. To everyone standing here at Grace Church, that stream of blood that can forgive anything, that can heal anything, that can reconcile anything, that can restore anything. That fountain of blood is still flowing. Hallelujah to God. In Peter's first message on the day of Pentecost, he said to repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I ask you today, what will you do with Jesus? Sharon Haygood sang a song years ago that says, Will you serve Him or will you crucify Him again? So today we're going to dispose of the water. I'm not even going to make it available. I don't believe there's anybody here today that wants to wash their hands of Jesus. I just don't. I believe we all know better than to take that step. Thank God. But I want to give you a better option. When we call the church down here in a moment, I want everybody to come and you come with them. Just lift up your hands in your way. Or you can stay where you're standing right now if you want to, but you can lift up your hands and say, God, I just don't know what I've been doing. I've kind of lost my way. I've been thinking kind of crazy. I want to come to you today. I want to give my heart to you today. I want to give my life to you today. I want to be a different person. I want to be a different man. I want to be a different woman. I want to be a different husband. I want to be a different wife. I want to be better, God. I want to be better. And the only way I'm going to do it is to face this question head on and say, Jesus.
3: I I kneel down at your feet.
1: It's a place of healing.
3: But well, what are you going to do
1: with Jesus? As everybody comes, up. everybody comes while they're singing. Praise team, help me. Ministry team, help me.
3: There's a place my eyes can't see. What are you going to do
1: with it? He's not Let going away. Never dismiss what are you to gonna do? Be. Why don't you join a place these people a up here? Feeling. that have found the blood it's of Jesus a place to be healing.